What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DFS MVP podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, back here with your co-host, John Daigle. I'm the director of DFS at 444.com, and this is episode 221, the FanDuel first look episode and FanDuel lineup building strategies. Uh, if you want to get caught up on all of our DFS evergreen content and theory, go to 444 and head on over to the DFS strategy hub. But before we get into that today, you might notice an extra face on the screen. And we got the great Tim Talmadge, who has been with 444 for quite some time. And this year, he will be our cash game guru. Uh, Tim, for those that are new to 444, new to this podcast, tell them a little bit um, about yourself and, and your DFS background. Well, uh, I've been around for a couple years. I uh, started over at Rotoviz, you know, doing redraft and dynasty content. And about 2017, I just, you know, that's when I really took a liking to DFS. I was reading everything from Justin Bale or Jonathan Bales, Justin Bailey, yourself. And like I said, I just, I just developed the love for the game and became infatuated with it. Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Justin Bailey. He actually, he is of X four for four fame. You actually took over uh, one of one of his articles back in the day. So shout out to to Justin Bailey now with uh, our, our partners over at Fantasy Lab and Action Network. Uh, before we get into everything today, just want to remind everybody that if you haven't signed up for Underdog yet, you can get a free 444 DFS subscription by going to 444.com slash underdog for details on how to get that DFS sub for just a $10 deposit. And you can also get a bonus deposit match up to $100. You must be a new Underdog subscriber. And we're still chasing that $10 million best ball mania. We got tons of content up uh, with that. Dago's doing best ball shows every week. So make sure you click on that link in the description. Um, but let's jump right into it. Uh, for those that have been paying attention, FanDuel launched salaries a little over a week ago. And even though we are still a few weeks out, it's still fun to take a, a quick look at these things. And and uh, as we did with DraftKings, as Daigle and I did, uh, we'll just do a quick look um, at, at anything that stands out to us. This isn't a week one you know value show these don't don't hold us to these uh but as daigle and i were talking through these we realized it's pretty fun to go over these so um let's go through each one more quick and then we'll get into some specific FanDuel strategy that tim and daigle are going to lay on you uh but let's start with quarterbacks uh just a, a quick first look tim did anybody stand out to you uh when you looked at at the FanDuel salaries yeah well i mean we were kind of talking about it before the show but uh you know, I see Trey Lance is kind of the last of those dual threat options where he's priced at. Uh, ideally, we'd like a better environment than being on the road at Chicago, but I think he's underpriced for his upside. I mean, you look at Jalen Hurts, who is also a road favorite, and he's 500 more. And you look at what the Shanahan scheme did for Jimmy Garoppolo. Over the last three seasons, Jimmy G was top 10 in expected completion percentage and expected points added per play. I don't think anybody thinks he's a top 10 quarterback. So, you know, if Trey Lance enters that system and what he can do with his legs, this might be the last chance we get him at this price. Yeah, my um, my guess, again, we're, we're weeks out, so um, take this with a grain of salt. But my guess is Lance will be a, a very popular cash game play at the very least on FanDuel. Uh, one thing that people don't talk about a lot, we're talking about FanDuel specific strategy, without the – uh, 300 yard bonus and um, for for yardage, um, we really do get a bump in the value of the rushing yards on Fanduel. So you are you are going to get a a lot of value out of that um, rushing with Trey Lance at his salary. Dagle, when you looked at Fanduel, did you notice anything uh, at first glance? As the 
a de facto tournament player here, even though TJ, that's what you play as well. But oh, I, I play both, so I'm I'm splitting with you guys. I, I'm T Tim plays both, but he's cash game specialist. Your tournament guy. I'm gonna ride the middle all year. And we'll be both in Discord with everyone and our own Slack channels, making sure our, our plays. Tim, of course, is doing FanDuel this year. I'll be doing our DraftKings top plays every week. Are up to par, and we all are in agreement with each other. But as we know, for tournaments, it really just comes down to what the field's going to do, and we don't have that just yet. Having said that, uh, the two players that stood out to me were, one, Jalen Hurts, as Tim mentioned. Uh, I wonder what kind of percentage he'll garner on FanDuel in particular, seeing the Lions, especially on the road, thinking that gets out of hand. But maybe that's actually a case to play someone we think has a ceiling like a Monroe St. Brown and run bad Jalen Hurts with Dallas Goddard um, in that range. And then also right under Jalen Hurts, I think Aaron Rodgers in the Packers stack is going to be really interesting for week one. He's sandwiched in between that salary price, like Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts, as Tim talked about. And also, we know they're going to be a slower, run-first, defense-heavy team. But if one matchup doesn't allow them to do that, it's probably going to be against this Kevin O'Connell stemming from Sean McVay's branch. Uh, Minnesota offense indoors in Minnesota. Also, Aaron Rodgers looking to prove himself in the first week when everyone's down on the team overall uh, nationwide, which we know Aaron Rodgers actually listens to without Devontae Adams. So I'll actually be looking at a spot like FanDuel where – the rushing upside is great, sure, but more importantly, we need touchdowns. And so I think Aaron Rodgers and a Packers stack may be really sneaky for tournaments, actually. Yeah, I, I actually I like that um, quite a bit. If we go back to our, our DraftKings show, we mentioned that uh, if if we have to guess what games people are going to be on, probably the ones with the highest over-enders, right? So Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, and, and, and Cardinals, and I think the Vikings and and Packers are going to be right in that second tier and early in the year is when we could really take advantage of the second tier of, of over-unders or implied point totals because Vegas still does need a little bit of a time to adjust to the new season as well. So I like the idea of targeting games like that. What I did for, for my first look article, if you saw it on uh, 4 for 4, is I kind of just compared salaries across sites to see where the discrepancies were. Uh, there weren't any any crazy discrepancies at quarterback. The one that stood out the most was Davis Mills down at 6500 Now, he's still priced near the bottom on FanDuel, but it is a, a decent gap. He's priced it as a QB 25 on FanDuel compared to the QB 20 on DraftKings, so he does represent the biggest bargain across sites. The only reason that could be interesting is because the Colts are going to be the biggest favorites of the week. Uh, probably a lot of people on JT. So there might be some leverage opportunities there with the Texans passing game. I don't know with so many strong options at quarterback if we're going to ever really bite the bullet and play a Davis Mills stack, but it is ultimate leverage on a player like JT. Um, and, and crazy stuff happens in week one, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Jumping over to running back, uh, Dago, what did you see there? Joe Mixon is probably going to be one of the highest rostered running backs, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure before I start touting him as a tournament play because he's going to be amazing leverage off of the Bengals passing game, which, you know, maybe that gets us onto the Bengals passing game. Uh, I'll be looking at Alvin Kamara against the Falcons. We already talked about his discount in our DraftKings first look show. Um, and then James Conner, I'm imagine and cash games will also be heavily rostered since 7,700 and one of the highest totals of the week against the Chiefs at home is a disaster considering he averaged 20 touches and five and a half targets without Chase Edmonds last year. And so it just seems like almost a misprice more than anything, especially on a site where like we're counting for touchdowns and that's what James Conner does. So it's a, it's a weird salary. 
Yeah, you mentioned Mixon. He's at he's at eighty three hundred. So yeah, I, I think uh, as huge favorites that that line will probably push him to be the the most roster player because he's coming at such a discount to JT at ten point two, Henry McCaffrey and Austin Eckler all around that ninety five hundred mark. So with that big line favoring Cincinnati, I, th- I think that actually does make sense that Mixon could be uh, pretty popular. Tim, what what did you notice at running back? Well, this this. I mean, I'm on Mixon too, you know, just looking at it. He checks all the boxes, home favorite, high scoring offense. And I I don't know if he'll be popular because he's been getting dinged for, you know, the third down back with Chris Evans and and Samaji Pirine. Um, But he did have the six most touches last year. You know, I don't know if that goes overlooked. And the Steelers defense were a run funnel defense last, last year, ranking top 10 against quarterbacks. But they were 23rd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Um, and also, with the two backs he's right there with, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, he actually has a higher projected floor and ceiling on four for four than those two players. So, Yeah, um, obviously, again, we're, we're a few weeks out from week one. Uh, we're, we won't have ownership projections until the, the Thursday of week one. So there, there is a chance, I guess, that if people just go – crazy on jt and, and and cmc i don't know if you could how, how how easy it is to jam the men i'm assuming if we, if we get a value or two open up it'll be pretty easy i guess there's a chance that mixon gets driven down because people are just going to the top of the of the salaries at uh that position which people tend to do on Fanduel. so that will be a a good one to keep an eye on i'm going to go way down to the bottom chase edmonds 5800 versus the patriots and if we look at the the projected starters um, going into week one, there's only two guys that are, are under 6K that we think are going to be starters. Chase Evans is the only one that is a home favorite. Miami is, as of now, a small favorite against, uh, against the Patriots at home. Uh, four for four's Connor Allen did a really good article on why he think Chase Edmonds is a great redraft value going into the season. Paulson highlighted Edmonds as a player that he really likes. So um, obviously we are going to have some timeshare concerns with Edmonds, but if we're if we're talking about saving salary, if we're talking about going barbell high low, Edmonds starting as a home favorite sub six k uh, could be a pretty fun one to keep an eye on, especially because there's so much talk around the Patriots running backs. Uh, go over to Miami's backfield and and see what we can do. And over there, I'll keep an eye on Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 5,800 as well. Yeah, he's not, he he's not going one. to be high rostered. Yep. Um, I just want some more backfield nuggets and usage notes. Uh, it's going, he's a player who's going to take a leap of faith in tournaments, but like at 5,800, that's a chance I'm willing to take and just hoping like he gets the goal line role if Ronald Jones is cut here in the next week. Absolutely. And he's the one I have down as, as the projected starter. I mean, is he going to be a 70% touch guy? Probably not, but he is going to be a starter. And as he, we mentioned, Go he ahead. would be he would be our pivot as well off of the Chiefs passing it's, game. That's, that's kind of exact. what I'm really looking for. Yep, that's exactly. You were about what to say that. Say. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. By all means, I mean that's going to be people are going to be looking at that game and and obviously Mahomes, Kyler. You guys already talked about if if Connor ends up being popular, that's even more leverage. I, last year, one thing I looked a lot is like where where can we gain not just leverage but the most leverage, right? So if you can get not just a leverage off the passing game on one side, but the uh, but uh, or from one team, but then you're you're pivoting off of a running back on the same game like you're getting double leverage points with that so um yeah ceh is the other one that i was talking about center 6k as well uh tim what wide receiver popped to you or wide receivers popped to you at the first glance uh well for the kind of receivers that i look for on FanDuel, i i i really was drawn to marquise brown uh he's proven to of that game 
Yeah, he's proven to earn volume in the past. Last year, he averaged nine targets per game, and he was top five in air yards per game. And he's he has a potential for a massive ceiling and the highest projected game total. The Chiefs allowed the ninth most adjusted fantasy points to wide receivers last year. And, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about, you know, vacated targets, but no DeAndre Hopkins could lead yeah. to a massive amount of volume. Yeah, Dago has said a word or two about vacated targets before. Yeah, uh, I have lots of thoughts on vacated targets. I put them out there. I keep the data churned through it all offseason long, only for someone to yell at me about context when yeah. I, I purposely serve up the data and let you you do the context because yeah, everyone's sure. context is different. No one realizes that. Everyone has I mean, a good I, answer. I, I think it's it's the opportunity. It doesn't mean everybody's right. going to take advantage of, of course. it. The, 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 the easiest argument always what I say is the opportunity is absolutely important. You should be aware of the vacated op opportunity, but don't give that opportunity to non-talented players, right? Relative to their peers. Like absolutely. I don't think Alan Lazard is going to be a, a alpha receiver just because the opportunity is there. So that's exactly. the way I usually handle it. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, um, of wide receivers. Diggle, is there anyone that um, just salary opportunity-wise stood out to you when you looked at FanDuel? It still varies right now. Uh, it, it's kind of hard because they're – like I can imagine people, even though his one-and-a-half-yard dot last year scares a lot off, Rondell Moore's 5,500. I could see people convincing themselves that's an answer in the highest scoring game. I just know that this game, Marcos Valdez-Scantling as well as a deep threat at 5,500, I know this game's going to garner – so many people jamming ancillary options. And so I just keep trying to figure out how I want to do this. I, I, so I honestly, I don't that, have a, I don't have a good so answer for you right now. That's no, that's actually, but that topic alone is actually kind of interesting. What, how do you, how do you handle these situations where, cause we see this a lot, right? Like you have a offense that is projected for a lot of points, but they have ambiguous target shares. And then say it's three pass catchers that we can't figure out. They all kind of cannibalize each other and you end up with three or four pass catchers with a really popular quarterback that are all like nine to 11% ownership um, where you don't have an obvious leverage play, but you don't have like an obvious guy to go low on. What do you kind of do in those situations? I personally do like going overweight and playing the highest rostered player if I think there's a reason to, but then sure. also adding in, we've talked about this in the past, adding in the lowest rostered one, even if I don't believe that player is the one that explodes behind the highest rostered one, uh, and just and just literally playing it down to ownership in tournaments. That's why I also kind of look at, if I play Jalen Hurts, because I do think the Eagles line is a game that could pop off, especially indoors, and goes overlooked. Like I think Devonta Smith would actually be a Great play at 6,100 on FanDuel to stack along with Jalen Hurts because no one's going to get there. Everyone would just play A.J. Brown because uh, Devontae's lost in that shuffle of players underneath him in higher scoring games. So that, that's just kind of what I'm looking at right now, honestly. No, and that makes sense because think about the GOAT win – when you have that situation where you might have again, I'm just I'm just using fake numbers here, but three guys between say nine and eleven percent on the same team, it actually makes sense to go overweight on the most popular guy, right? Because you're going overweight, it's really easy to be like two or three x the field on a guy that's eleven percent. Whereas when the most popular guy on the team is twenty two percent, going overweight on him, you're committing a, a lot of of roster, a lot of of lineup space to him. Um, assuming you're building like twenty lineups, if we're doing single lineup or or, or three max, you're just you're overweight by just using them at all. Um, but I actually like that line of thought a lot. That makes that makes a lot of sense um, just from a, a, a from a theory perspective. The guy that popped to me on Fandle was Mike Williams at 6,600 versus the Raiders. 
Again, just comparing salaries across site. He's the wide receiver of 14 on FanDuel compared to the wide receiver 7 on DraftKings. We briefly touched on this as a, a, a very likely shootout with one of the highest over-unders. Probably will be the most popular game. But the interesting thing, we, we actually do see these anomalies or these big discrepancies in um, between re, um, FanDuel and DraftKings. And we see it a lot with like, pass catching backs or like very obvious like PPR monsters at wide receiver. But this one is actually like backwards, right? In theory, Mike Williams should benefit more from FanDuel scoring, but he's cheaper on FanDuel with half PPR versus full PPR. So I, I really like Mike Williams. He's probably going to be crazy popular because of that game because he is so cheap. But that value um, really, really pops a lot to me. Uh, let's do a, a, a quick look at Titans before we get to the meat and potato strategy of this, but Daigle, any Titans pop to you? Usually FanDuel is not a place where I'm trying to spin down on tight end, but I think, I think cheap tight ends are actually very ambiguous and thus can be used in week one. Uh, and not even mentioning like Gerald Everett, right? Like we're drafting Gerald Everett in redraft leagues because his quarterback is a top three ADP at his position. Thus it makes zero sense why a tight end would have a, a round 20 ADP in his position. But honestly, like even David and Joku, uh, without Deshaun Watson, again, we've talked about this and why I love drafting as my favorite late round tight end. But Jacoby Brissett, not only top four in rate of throws to tight ends the past two seasons with Miami, but that's the same thing for Kevin Stefanski's offense. Like they've funneled targets to tight ends at a top three rate the past two years as he's been head coach. So I, th and I think Njoku really has a chance to explode a 26-year-old athletic specimen who could easily just lead the team in targets. Um, easily explainable. But then also I'll be looking down at the Brevin jordan Moelle cox range as well at 4,800. Uh, Cox. Jack Doyle vacates 20 routes per game, and there's no one to give Ali Cox competition whatsoever. He's already mentioned that he's the one doing sit-down routes, specifically on th conversion downs on third down, that Jack Doyle used to have. And also, like, Colin Granson had 11 catches last year as a fourth-round nobody, and Jelani Woods might as well be playing linebacker because he's so bad <laughs> at football transitioning to the league. So I love Ali Cox as a uh, – as a creative way to get exposure to this Colts offense. It doesn't have to be Jonathan Taylor inside the five. It can be Allie Cox if we're assuming more snaps. And then if we play Jonathan Taylor, Brevin Jordan is, is an awesome play. He's played 98% uh, of first string snaps in the preseason so far with Davis Mills. They basically don't use Pharaoh Brown, their, their primary blocker, at all for routes. And so like, there's a real chance Brevin Jordan, I don't know if he scores, but I know he's going to be out there at least for almost every single passing play. Yeah, you make you make two fantastic points. One, and typically FanDuel salaries are kind of wide open and the advantage of the top tier tight ends compared to the rest of the field is so big when you're not losing a lot in terms of what you can do at other positions it's very hard to pass up even if it's like the top four now we have i guess five guys are in a top tier depending on their weekly situation uh, with i'm throwing pits uh, uh pits kittle and 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 waller in the mix with andrews and, and kelsey but yeah it's really hard to get away from top tight ends on fandle and then you mentioned uh, Molly Cox and Brevin Jordan in the same game. If I have to guess again, I'm two weeks away from doing ownership projections. I think on FanDuel, Jonathan Taylor is going to be the most popular player on the slate, even though he is, I think, 10.2. If salaries are open enough with that big, um, with that big point spread, 
finding leverage in that game is going to be very important. And I think the average person is going to say, okay, JT is popular. So who do I play? I play maybe Matt Ryan, but definitely Michael Pittman is an obvious pivot. It's, uh, so it's also, it's also simultaneously a pivot off Kyle Pitts because he's going to be the highest roster tight end. Um, at 6,000, there's not a chance he's not at least 40% rostered. And so you'll be looking for leverage off that spot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tim, do you, does any tight end pop to you? No, I mean, I agreed with everything you guys said. I mean, all the, all the cheaper options that Daigle mentioned, um, I'd probably lean Everett for cash because he's the more likely to find the end zone. As he said, you know, Brevin Jordan, it's really hard to count on that. I think the Texans have like the second, second lowest implied uh, point total on the slate. Um, and the other thing for Everett is like, typically I wouldn't even recommend going that cheap because, as you guys laid out, the top options are just so much better on FanDuel. They're much more likely to score. Um, but the interesting thing about the matchup with the Raiders is last year, they were top five against wide receivers, but 22nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. So maybe he gets some more looks in a, in a shootout environment. Yeah, I mean, I again, um, we're, we're a couple of weeks away, but I, I do think that if it's not JT, CMC could be one of the most popular players on the slate. They're playing against the Browns. Uh, Joku is tight in 16 on Fandle versus tight in 11 on DraftKings. Both John Paulson and John Daigle wrote up Joku as a player that they really like to break out. And if that breakout's going to happen, look at the beginning of the year for the Browns. People aren't going to be on them because of uh, Jacoby Brissett, because of Sean Watson not playing. But like Daigle said, he has targeted tight ends a lot. And they one thing that really benefits tight ends underrated aspect of tight ends is actually really they do really well in positive game scripts i don't know if they're going to be favored in these games but they start against the panthers the jets the steelers and the falcons that's a really really soft way to get off uh to the start of your season probably be probably the easiest first four games on the schedule so cleveland could have like a lot of really early season tournament value um going into the year but uh again that was just a oh go ahead that reason is also why uh, we've been drafting them the last round of every single FFPC league is that month long start. Trust me. Yeah, I am man, aware that, of your opening schedule. And, and that like, it's obviously there, are like regression is going to happen. Teams usually are going to fall where they're supposed to fall. But if you, if they can somehow start hot and like ride those four games, like they can get going a little bit, carry a little bit of momentum and, and, you know, try to be decent enough to bridge the gap between those four games and Deshaun Watson coming back. Like if they can be decent, Deshaun Watson can come back and they could be a team that that's clicking a little bit. So um, Browns are actually kind of interesting with that super soft start. I like that a lot. And Joku uh, also is good correlation for the Browns defense. As you mentioned, positive game script. Yeah, so that's yeah, how you Fandle. can correlate those spots. Yeah. T- tight end, tight end, um, that's really funny. If you notice my my um, name today is RB tight end stacks for the win. Running back tight end stacks and, run, and tight end defense stacks are like super underrated on FanDuel. They crush on FanDuel. Um, we may need to talk about Chubb and Njoku in depth more here in a couple weeks then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, that was just like a first glance at FanDuel. Don't hold us to that if you're watching or listening. It, these can completely change by, by week one, but they are fun to look at because we got them out, so why not talk about them? But what we love to do 
in the preseason and throughout the years give you guys something to improve yourself as a player, not just give you picks. And since we're talking about FanDuel, um, I want to go over some lineup building techniques with both of you guys. Uh, Daigle, I know you play FanDuel a ton. Tim, you play on, on both sides and written about both sides a ton. So I just kind of want to ping pong you guys because – uh, Tim does play a lot of cash daily. You play exclusively tournaments just to get some ideas of how you think about FanDuel specifically. And I'll start with Tim. When you're building a cash lineup on a half PPR site like FanDuel compared to a site like like DraftKings that is full PPR with yardage bonuses, what are how do you look at um, building a lineup, whether it be in terms of uh, positions that are most important with starting with, how you're allocating your salary, what what emphasis you're putting on the flex, what's very unique to Fandle when you're looking at those things? Uh, overall, I try not to overrate the differences. I mean, you've done work in the DFS playbook that shows the correlations to points are not that big of a difference other than targets and receptions. You know, which is obviously inflated on full PPR. Um, I would say the difference for me is the type of player that I look for. Like when I'm when I'm looking at wide receivers, you know, where on DraftKings I might just say, okay, here's a guy getting ten targets a game. He might only give me fifty yards, but that'll work for me on DraftKings. Where on FanDuel, I want the volume, but I want a guy that is either going to either has a good chance to find the end zone or is a big play hitter. Yeah. Um- Dago, when when you're building GPPs on, on FanDuel specifically, is there is there any difference in in positions or salary allocation? One thing that I see a ton in FanDuel is like it's really hard to not pay up for running backs and tight ends on FanDuel, and that's where we see like we'll see again like a JT where it's where he's even though he's ten point two, you'll get thirty thirty five. Uh, percent ownership on guys like that on FanDuel where you just won't get that on DraftKings so is there anything that you're adjusting for on FanDuel because people are putting so much emphasis on say a position like running back it's a running joke that FanDuel is a pick'em game but truly (laughs) it is because you can practically create whatever lineup you want every single week uh we've already talked about a little bit but I would note that yes we pay up on FanDuel because of the salary implications like even we, we already talked about the ambiguous situations, but even then, I think the common person playing tournaments will say, oh, well, like this person you mentioned, though, Mo Cox, let's say, 4,800. Again, Kyle Pitts is 6K. Like, that's only 1,200 more. So, like, shouldn't I be paying up for that? But again, there are there are tournament-based reasons why we're doing that in order to fade Kyle Pitts, in order to fade that situation uh, and look for leverage elsewhere. So that's one. And then also, yes, Tim hit it on the head that, most of the time on like DraftKings where we can plug in a cheap receiver like Braxton Berrios, hope he has five catches. And even if it's for 40 yards, that's more than enough. At flex even sometimes, your models will shoot out the, a stone man tied in as your flex for tournaments because that allows you to do so much else. Whereas on FanDuel, we are literally never flexing tight end. Not once. Um, at, like It would have to be a very special scenario or occasion or something you see that the field doesn't that would make you do so given that it's the most volatile touchdown dependent position and otherwise doesn't offer anything whatsoever. And so that's why we pay up for running back and wide receiver. So yeah, it, it's just about the type of players you chase. Um, but again, just like DraftKings, I think it still ultimately boils down to the right game stack and then also pairing the right offense in a completely different game. So like a offense stack and then a game stack as well. 
Um, yeah, the only time I've really seen double tight end work on FanDuel is like playoff slates where you can roster like two elite tight ends together where it's only like a three-game slate. But that's obviously not what we're talking to, about here. We're talking about full slates. And, and yeah, you just will never see that. Like we're... We actually have seen it shift a little bit where we've seen more wide receivers being used in winning um, lineups in the flex on Fandle. But you just touched on starting with that with the, those stacks and, and targeting offenses. And for tournaments, that makes a lot of sense. But I, I think you probably build your player core pretty similarly to me where I am building a very small core of players and then kind of rotating those through my stacks. When you are looking for a... Um, for the players in your player core in GPPs on FanDuel, are, are you taking a bottom-up approach where you're like, these are my... my Because we're still looking for value. It's still DFS, right? Are you looking for values and starting with your best values to build your player core? And if you're not during, doing that, like, what is, is the driver of how you're going to get your core players outside of your stacked offenses and, and stacked lineups? It's such a completely different approach for me. So... You know, I don't. I don't want to stress everyone use the same approach. But while I am looking for values, I don't even really start with who I consider to be a value salary wise. I literally start with what everyone's talking about. Who is going to be the most rostered player? I actually start with everyone else's lineups. Literally, that's how I start building. It's like I know everyone's going to play these players. Thus, what are leverages here? What passing game do I need to attack instead of this running back? Like, do I need a double stack Burrow in Week One against the Steelers and then run it back with like Najee Harris? thinking that that's now how anyone else is going to play it. Like that, that's how I start looking at things. And then from there, I'll play with those leverages, make sure I'm not too leveraged because I don't mind, again, being overweight on a player that I think should be higher rostered. That's totally okay. Uh, and then when I have something left over, that's when I really start tinkering. Like, well, I have this much left over, but do I need this much or do I have excess salary left actually because I want this player? And so I, I literally, I engineer my lineups backwards every week. That no, and I was I was hoping that you would give me kind of a quirky answer like that, and it it, it really is important because I think when people get into GPPs, especially if they're relatively new to DFS, they hear the idea of being contrarian, and we we do need players that people aren't going to use. I think that is very intuitive at this point, even for the most novice player. But just saying, I'm playing this one percent guy, that. That doesn't really do much for us, right? Because he's probably one percent. Uh, most of the one percent guys are one percent because because they suck or they're in bad situations. But if you're getting a one percent guy because he's a leverage play or because he's on it, he's and he's starting on an offense that should be scoring, you know, 30, 40 points, but just everybody's on the other players. That's how we should really be thinking about our our cheap plays because we're gaining something from it. we're gain when when something bad happens to the field, we're benefiting from it. If you're just throwing random darts at a at the wide receiver four on the Steelers just because he's low owned, you're just not benefiting from that, right? DFS is too sharp now for the 1% high ceiling plays that go overlooked. Uh, I could be missing examples, Tim. If you know something, let me know. But like off the top of my head last year, I can count uh, Tyler Huntley stack against the Packers that week. He was a 1% quarterback in that start, and no one played him on the road, even though he had the high ceiling, and that's what took down tournaments. And then the 1% Josh Allen against the Patriots at the end of the year um, with Isaiah McKenzie. No one played him. Josh Allen was 4%. Isaiah McKenzie was 1%. I had them stacked uh, because it was a, a bad scenario, but also you can just suck it up and say, it's Josh fucking Allen. Like, I'm going to play the Bill stacks. That's okay. And so 
Those are the two scenarios I think of about 1%. Otherwise, it's like you said, TJ, I don't say contrarian. I literally just use the term touchdown leverage now. I look and see what everyone else is going to do and say, how do I get those touchdowns if, in this event, the touchdowns don't go to that higher roster player? How would I then win? And that's how I look at being contrarian. Yeah, and and Tim, I'll get back to you, but I just want – Think about the two examples that Daigle just gave. He gave Huntley and Josh Allen. So even though they're random 1% non-leverage plays, when you're getting a low-owned quarterback, you're really getting a low-owned offense, right? So that is a that's a little bit different. You're buying a whole offense with a 1% play, whereas like if you're just getting a random one-off wide receiver, random one-off tight end, you're not really getting in, even though there there's um you know if they if they pop you're you're gonna you're gonna jump the field but there's no leverage there so even though the quarterback isn't necessarily leverage off of a a a player it's leverage off what the field is thinking can happen on a macro level so it's probably not a coincidence that your two examples are quarterback plays there um but tim we were you, you talked about um you know how you kind of think differently about about stats and what how you're thinking about not just volume on FanDuel, but we've been talking about stacking for the last couple of minutes. And stacking isn't something that is in the cash game. Like it's not in the, in the forefront of our minds in cash games. And some people just aren't even thinking about it at all. Some people are avoiding it. But on a site that is so touchdown dependent like FanDuel, I have found myself not necessarily forcing stacks, but not shying away from stacks in FanDuel. So how are you, if you run, let's say you run the numbers in the 4-4 lineup generator and it comes out and you have a quarterback wide receiver stack in your cash game lineup, are you uh, avoiding that on FanDuel or are you just kind of rolling with it because they're the best values and it is what it is in cash? Yeah, I think that's the way to play it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from it, but I also wouldn't force it. Um, for me, what I find because I, I do typically prefer paying up a tight end, even over wide receiver. So a lot of times I may end up with that stack, and I'm okay with that. Uh, the other thing I'd say is I actually might be more interested in like a, a quarterback wide receiver, wide receiver two stack, if it makes sense for my lineup. Because I don't think it'll be very popular. And, you know, for your cash game, you have a high floor, but you also want to reach a high ceiling on FanDuel. Yeah. And and you want to reach high ceiling, one, because touchdowns are just driving up points and, and driving up that, if you're playing 50-50s, driving up that cash line. But also, I one thing that people overlook a lot in, in cash games, especially if you're playing head-to-heads, I want to have the chance to have that 99th percentile week, right? Because if you're playing hundreds of head-to-heads, you want a chance to sweep. And if the best values give you a stack and you're shying away from it because you're trying to maximize your floor, you're also like lessening the chance that you get that week where you sweep 99% of your or 100% of your head to heads. Like someone has to, has to win, right? Someone has to have the highest score. And if you're throwing your lineup in like small winner, take all or super small, um, like, like hundred or, or 20 man leagues or something like that, you're also giving yourself a chance to win those. So yeah, I, I think I agree with you in that. Like I'm not necessarily forcing those things, but um, I, I do think, especially on Fandle, that's so touchdown dependent. I actually think there is some merit to, to um, embracing stacks when they make sense in cash games. And and I want to stick on the topic of stacks, Daigle. And, and this is just a, a really simple um, question for you. On FanDuel, I mean, a stack could be a quarterback, a wide receiver. It could be five players from the same team. With FanDuel set up, with it being so touchdown dependent, do you, are you typically leaning towards heavier or lighter team stacks or game stacks even? 
It's still heavier for me. I'm still double stacking my quarterback every single time. It's still an advantage that we have because a lot of people still can't do it because they're trying to spread their exposure too much. I also think it's just wiser rather than trying to pop a shot players from different games, like just stack the exposure in one game, a game you expect to go over its total. doesn't have to be the highest total. Remember, we're trying to go over the total. And so – in a high-scoring environment like that, I prefer to just try to limit my exposure across the board, honestly. Yeah. I'll oh, go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, that was something I've gone back and forth on just because it is so touchdown dependent. You know, originally I kind of thought maybe it didn't make sense to double stack. But in reality, if you get the game right, it's not going to matter if both guys go off as long as you get one of them. DFS is easy. Just uh, just get the right place. <laughs> get the it. right game. Yeah. No, but on, on Fanduel, like if you if you can corner the game um, that goes off for eighty total points and you have big exposure, to that like it's just going to be so hard for for other teams to catch you. Now, obviously, if you're in the Sunday billion, you still need to be perfect at your at your core positions and the three other or four other players you have in your lineup, but. On the the difference is, and the reason I like doing these site specific discussions is because on DraftKings people can catch you with garbage time. When a when when a team is trailing, if if a wide receiver is if he's at five for fifty, but then the 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 last drive he gets a garbage time four for four for fifty, he gets up to nine catches. He hits his one hundred yard bonus, so he's getting an extra twelve points on one drive, which can become a tournament winning lineup. Where on Fanduel you're getting two points for the catches and then the five points for, for the, for the yards, you're not getting the bonus. So it's not making up a difference. Um, and that's the reason that those game flow scenarios, when you could corner them, they're just going to crush on Fandle. So I am glad you guys agree with me because if you did it, I was going to have to have a big discussion with you guys and figure out my life. But I, I think it does make more sense to, um, to, to play bigger stacks on Fandle than a site like we, DraftKings. Remember, like we're playing DFS literally for the one percent outcome. Like that's right, what we're exactly. actually trying to get. So yeah. it's a hard game. Like no one said it's easy, but yeah. when it hits, that's the whole point. You're not going to win every week, but when you win, uh, ideally those spike weeks still just help you from the line graph going all the way down. That's the whole point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you should your 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 tournament long graph is gonna look like a, a very very sh- like steady downward and then straight up. Like that's how it should it should look. mountains. Um, right. Yeah, we're looking for mountains. Um, something that is still unique to Fanduel that we we haven't seen on DraftKings. We've seen ownership really flattened out on DraftKings. You're just last year we just didn't see thirty percent guys. There were a couple. I touched on this with JT earlier. We are still getting these really inflated rostered rates on guys on Fandle, whether it be because salaries are still a little bit more open and you could jam in these studs in perfect situations, but you are going, we'll just use JT as an example, these mega chalk guys that get up to 35, 40%, um, not, not regularly, but we have higher ownership on Fandle. So Daigle, I mean, whether it just be how you are approaching those, or if you want them in your lineup, like what, what's kind of like a target for you in terms of how you're building ownership with these mega chalk guys. And do you have a, a general theory on if and when you will eat the chalk on like a 35% guy on FanDuel? Not a real theory, but I will say it's easier to do when it's a running back. Like wide receiver, I yes. feel like I can always get away from knowing yes. targets are volatile, but touches yeah. are much more consistent. And sure. sure, an injury may happen, but 
most of the time, honestly, like especially when it's a wide open opportunity and there's no competition in that backfield due to injury or something, um, like we can argue like, well, these touches are important, so I'm going to suck it up and play a 60% player. Sure. And, and that's when we're going to the, – the thing that, that I think people like – kind of mess up is when you are when we do have the you know uh, let's just say 60% player a 60% player and a 1% player is actually probably better than two 20% guys right because yeah, you're still yeah, yeah. getting that uniqueness in that 1% player so even though your cumulative ownership is might be the same and we you might hit like a target whatever the number is say 120% cumulative ownership a 15% a 20% a 20% guy is going to win you way less tournaments than a 50% guy and a 1% guy. Unfortunately, we'll be doing this show every week. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because those players are, those 60% players are always case by case basis. Like, there will be arguments against their situations or like offensive environment or game personnel. Uh, but that's when the case by case comes in. Tim, is there, is there any situation where ownership comes into play in cash games on FanDuel? Um, uh, like, maybe, I mean, I, I, I think it's just, you kind of said just hit those best values and let the the guys you're playing in cash games prove it but is there any any time that ownership is even a thought for you in cash games yeah i just think uh when you see certain uh pockets of pricing it could make sense if you think one guy is going to be higher owned and you think they project pretty evenly it can make sense to go the other way just to try to get an advantage there yeah, would you say that that pertains mostly to, to pass catchers? Like if we have five guys bunched up within like, um, I don't know, a, a three or $400 range, and for some reason there's just like a, I don't know, one guy's 35%, but they're all projecting kind of close. Like it could be, that could give you one of those 99% outcomes, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and that'll, that'll bump you up. Like I was saying about, uh, you know, targeting the high upside type receivers, is you'll have a, or, or stacking the wide receiver twos with the quarterback is you'll have your floor and then that's something that can just boost you up. Yeah, I mean if you if you have, you know, it, hopefully you're using four four projections. If you have a projection model you trust and and our guys are projecting way better and that is our optimal lineup. Don't I, I think maybe the way to think about it is don't get away from that play just because the field is going to be playing the other one, right? We want to play uh, our top values. Um, Tim, if, if somebody is a, a new player to FanDuel, you got any any tips or, or thoughts for them? Well, for cash players, I would suggest just going on the site and reading everything possible. You can learn so much. I mean, I've been doing this for a couple of years, and I still learn every time I go on and read something that we put out. So that would be my first recommendation. The second one would be, again, pay attention to the scoring setting difference, but don't overrate it. Understand that – Everything your 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 basic plan should your your build should be the same, but your archetype of players could be the big difference there. Yeah, that's a good point, Daigle. What would you tell a first timer on FanDuel? I think Tim had a good point. Honestly, um, I, I try to I, I'm trying to put myself in the position of if I ever opened up DFS for the first time, what I would tell myself, and I think I'd maybe run crying. Jesus, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> gosh, it's it's such a it's just such a different game now. Um, yeah, I think Tim has it right. Put yourself in the best position, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say um, to, if you're listening to this right now, you still got 
two two weeks two and a half weeks before um week one kicks off go in the four four strategy hub and figure out if you want to be a cash game player gpp player and and read through that stuff understand bankroll management understand game selection and all that information is in the four four strategy hub um don't go in there blindly we're here to help you guys uh if you have questions about those articles or anything in the strategy hub um hit us up in the four four discord uh you could sign up for that um once you get signed up for for the four four subscription you get access to the discord uh, we still have one more week of preseason our own tim right here as well as pat james have been putting out some great preseason content uh we got week three preseason coming up before we get that nice one more week and break before the regular season um so appreciate you guys we love getting you guys ready for the season i think it's really important to go over these macro concepts and i'm glad i got two sharp guys to do it with me so if you like what these sharp dudes are saying make sure you are following them on twitter daigle is that not j daigle tim is at full on tilt that's tlt with no i i'm at tj hernandez four for four is at four for four football please rate and review if you are uh, listening on whatever podcast you listen to please like and subscribe if you are watching on youtube and we will talk to you guys next week